Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's go behind the mask. Welcome back to another special edition of the Behind the Mask podcast. Yes, I am your host, Takeo Spikes, joined alongside by my fabulous co host, better known as the. Your favorite plus size model, Tucson Reyes, in the building. Too. What's happening, bro? You know, it's it's uh it's always good to catch up with you, man. How's everything going, bro? Everything good, man. Another day in paradise, baby. Already then, even though we're going through this pandemic and right, it's, it's very slim in this football season, but since it's football season, it's imperative that we talk about college football. College football goes deeper, it runs deeper in the fabric of who we are as a nation, it runs deeper in the fabric as far as fans having certain loyalty. And now when we look at what's going on, you see so many things, whether or not if it's sponsors, you look at the the Big Ten and the Pac-12, they've postponed their season because of COVID-19, the implications and understanding or the lack of understanding, how can we keep our student athletes healthy? But on the other hand, when you look at the the Big 12, you also look at the ACC and the SEC. These guys saying, hey, business is booming as usual, and we are going to continue with the process until we are told otherwise. You have a son. Your son just finished from Ole Miss. Now he's transferred over to another school. So from the perspective of, all right, the waters are very murky, but as a parent, you don't necessarily care when it comes to the dollars. As far as the advertisements, as far as the sponsors, you speaking on behalf of the parents, what's your take on it? Yeah, as a parent, the, the, the crazy thing is that you want what's best for your student, right? You, you want them to be safe. When you send them off to school, you want to make sure that they're safe. But you have some schools, like you said, uh, the, the SEC schools, you know, some of the, the Big Ten schools like the Ohio State's. They have the, the, the budgets to make sure that the protocols, the social distancing, uh, the protocols for COVID-19 are in place. So the student athletes are, are more safe. When you have these smaller schools and smaller divisions, et cetera, they don't have those same economics. They don't have the same uh, things that you can put in place for the students to athletes to be safe. So as a parent, you don't even want to send your kid to college knowing that that's a chance, a higher chance of them actually catching COVID-19 or, or getting sick. You know what I mean? And then as a parent, how are you going to sit out there, go out there and actually sign a waiver or let your student sign a waiver? To just in case they do get sick. That's that's kind of weird to me. And I think those are some of the weird implications of what's going on in college football right now. You can see why there's a chance that this season won't be, even be played. Now, you're talking about the Pac-12 and, and, and the Big Ten, two of the top five or the Power Five conferences. How you going to have a national championship if two of the, if, you know, a BCS championship if two of the, uh, the Power Five conferences aren't even having full sports right now? Well, you know I mean? if you leave it up to Steve Spurrier, it was the reports flowing around over the past few days. He came out and said, you know what? As long as the SEC and the ACC play their conferences schedule, that's all it takes. It don't matter. Right? It don't matter. <laughs> Everything else is irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. He has a point. Clemson in the ACC, right? Um, Alabama, LSU in the SEC. Typically, what are the, the, the teams that are always in the, in the running for the BCS National Championship? He has a good point, man. But realistically, how's that even going to make sense? How's it going to be, you know, equal across the board in terms of who has an opportunity to get 
to the national championship. When it gets down to uh, week 10 and you have the, the, the teams with the best records out there playing, it's really weird. I don't see how a college football season is going to take place this year. Like you said, Ty's going to Campbellsville University. They pushed uh, their four sports back to the spring as well. It sucks for the kids that actually need this year if they want to move on and, and have an opportunity to go pro. That's the thing that sucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the kids that, that, you know, they may have had an up and down year. Like I did my junior year. My junior year was up and down when I went to Ole Miss. But my senior year was, was great. Made all SEC. And that's what made me get to the NFL. So it, it hurt. you hurt for them. You hurt for these small college towns that are really dependent on uh, college football throughout the fall. That's a large part of their, their budget and, their, and uh, um, their revenue that generates for those those towns and those those businesses. So it sucks for them. But at the end of the day, is it economics, entertainment, or are we talking about health? And I think what some of the schools are doing is saying that health means more than just the economics and entertainment. Well, when you look at it overall, you, I mean, we would be dumb or even uh, just negligent, just acknowledging the fact that, listen, a lot of these schools, the main revenue for the schools is not so much students being able to come into their schools or being accepted, their revenue stream really comes from sports. And when you look at it overall, the big number one sport that feeds everybody and everything else, there's football, then there's everything else with the flow of the rainfall flow of how the revenue is distributed. I was reading an article earlier, and it was a CNN business article from Claire Duffy. And it just talked about how important the deals are from the sponsorship side for the university when it comes to the revenue streams, like they're a key source of brand exposure to both high performance athletes and a broader consumer base. And they intentionally do that just because they know, hey, our brand is associated with certain schools historically. When you think about a Michigan who over the recent few years just signed a deal with Jumpman, Nike, uh, when you think about Auburn, when they were stuck in the day, stuck in the past, used to be Russell Athletic, signed a multi-million dollar deal with Under Armour now. And so when you look at what's going on, some of these most lucrative collegiate deals are with the schools that are in the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And you look back at 2019, it was an article in Forbes, and it talked about Under Armour's deal. 2016, they signed a 15-year deal. $280 million with UCLA. And now Under Armour, there have been reports that Under Armour is now trying to exit that deal. Yeah. Also, you look at a 15-year deal that was struck, I just mentioned, in 2016 with University of Michigan with Nike. That was a $173 million deal. And Adidas signed a 10-year deal, $119 million with the University of Washington. And so when you look at it overall, these apparel companies, like they're hurting and they want out and they lose out on the merchandise sales and the brand exposure by not having the athletes out there during televised games. And then more importantly, they lose out on their logos appearing mm -hmm. on the jerseys, the shoes and guys just getting extra TV time in case if they score. And so yeah. I get it from that side, which brings it to another point. You see Justin Fields, the quarterback from Ohio State, he came out of with a petition that had over 220,000 signatures on it. And with this petition, he was basically just saying, look, the protocols are in place. 
All the players want to play. And he's trying to rally everybody together to be able to come together and finish out this season. And a lot of it is due to the fact that they know all the time that they put in. I remember when we were in school. They are, they are coaches are afraid to let you have a lot of free time, period. Right. They're not going to let you have 48 hours off. They'll find a way to put the banana in the tailpipe and have you back on campus, whether or not if you're just watching film or whatever. But when we look at Trevor Lawrence, we look at Justin Fields, two of the highest profile athletes that happen to play quarterback. They're saying they understand, look, we're not in a place to where we can be the medical expert, but we do understand what we put into what we do on an everyday basis from a sweat equity, and we're willing to put that at risk so everybody can see versus just letting what we've done in private, which is their work, just go down the drain. What are your thoughts on that? You know what? I think it's commendable that these young men are uh, taking control of the narrative. Um, they're taking control of their future. So on that aspect, I, I definitely commend them. Uh, signing a petition, reaching out to the Big Ten commissioner, saying that they want to play. Um, we never had to face anything like that. You know what I mean? So right. for them to step, to the, step up to the table, I think is amazing. The thing of it is, even though they, 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 they realize how much money they make for the university, they realize how important they are for the schools. Um, I, I just don't think that's going to be enough, particularly now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they put in all the work. Yeah, they put in the, the time, the uh, stress, time and heat. But it's not enough when you have a commissioner that's saying, or uh, the, the, the president of the university is saying, you know what? It's not worth it. One for the health, two for the litigation. You can't force again, force a kid to, to, to sign away their rights saying, if I do get sick or, or um, if I get sick and catch COVID-19, give it to a family member, somebody dies, you know that's litigation coming down the pipeline. And I think that the presidents of the universities who are making the decisions for each individual school and then they're telling that to the uh, the commissioner of the actual conference. Those are the decision makers. They're not they're not going to let it happen, bro. I just really don't see it. And again, if you don't have a, a, a Big Ten plan, you don't have a Pac-12 plan. How are you going to have an ACC, an SEC, and a Big 12 plan? Are those three teams going to compete for a national championship? You know, the kids again commend them for what they're doing. I just don't think that is going to be enough, particularly at this this juncture. Like college football is supposed to start in like a couple weeks. You know what I'm saying? If they don't know right now and, they, and they're scrapping the season, there's no way you're going to have enough teams to actually put forth a good uh, season and say, okay, I'm the national championship. Unless you're going to have absolute next year. Again, it does suck. You're going to wonder what it's going to look like in the spring. Are they going to play in the spring? Guys that you think will get drafted to get a shot at the NFL. It's like a, it's a, it's a triple down effect. It's happening in the NBA. You see the NBA push their season back too. You know what I mean? It's just implications across the board. But I do commend the kids. I just don't think it's enough to get it done though. Sometimes as a player, and this is regardless of whatever level that you, you're at, collegiate, high school, pros. Sometimes you need, not even sometimes, most times you need somebody to protect you from yourself. Facts. And so when I read some of the verbiage that Justin Fields put out uh, in that petition, he wrote that he believed that players believe as a whole that safety protocols have been established and can be, and can be maintained to mitigate concerns of exposure to COVID-19. He also goes on to say that he believes players should be able to make the decisions about what is best for their health and their future. Now, this is a prime example for me. It's like 
hey, sometimes it's not even as kids, I'm not going to put them in a box, but even as professional athletes, you need that neutral third party there to say, I need for you to protect me from myself. And you go back to some of the coaches. Listen, the coaches have vested interests. Right Mm -hmm. now you're seeing so many coaches come out talking about Nick Saban saying, hey, they act as if, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, they act as if the only place that they can catch COVID-19 is on the football field. He felt like that his players are are more safe being in the environment of what they have, which is controlled, Mm -hmm. you know? And so the more and more I look at it, uh, I understand, I get the point that he's saying, but that point is swayed. He he wants what he wants and rightfully Mm -hmm. so. I understand why he does that, but I don't, I don't agree with that too. I think it's it's really wrong, bro. Yeah. Again, I like what the kids are saying, what they want to do, you know, student athletes. But like I said, you got to protect them from themselves. And you you can't tell me that for the next four months, they're going to be out there playing. There's not going to be a frat party. There's not going to be a sorority party. You're not going to sneak no girls into your crib. You're not going to go to a bar, get something to drink. You can't tell me over the next four months you're going to do this and somebody's not going to catch COVID-19. We saw what happened just this past spring with everybody getting uh, getting sick and so many people dying. You know what I mean? And, and the fall is when this thing ramps back up. We did episodes about this. It's just no way you can tell me that this 18, 19, 22-year-old man is going to be able to do that consistently over four months. And even though some of the biggest schools, again, with the budget, with the economics, that are able to do it, the reason why the presidents of these universities are, are shutting down the season, uh, the fall sports, is because all of them can't do it. All of them don't have those protocols established. The smaller schools can't fund the testing every day. They can't fund, uh, you know, being able to clean, uh, sanitize the locker rooms every day, things like that. So it's, it's, it's a lot. And it comes down to economics. They're not doing it in the college. They're not doing it in the league. <laughs> you know what I'm Guys don't get out and do their thing. When they come to chasing, they're going to do whatever they can to chase that tail. I'm telling you. What tail are you talking about? They're going to try. You get them camp eyes. You sit there in camp and then you see somebody walk by. You're like, man, I ain't had nothing in a minute. Or they're going to chase. They're going to find a way. <laughs> they go find a way, man. Hey, bro. So, so basically, then, when you look at, I think it really is going to. A lot of pressure is going to fall upon the shoulders of the chief medical examiner, examiner of the NCAA, Brian Hanlon, and mm-hmm. he spoke with CNN. I saw him on CNN, and they asked him about the possibility of college sports in the fall, and. To me, the biggest thing that he said, he was like, right now, testing in the UF stays the way that it is. The lack of not being enough and not being able to turn around the test in an efficient amount of time to where they don't have to quarantine people for X amount of days. There's no way we can go forward with sports. Hangline said. Then he also said, we're not in a place today to where we can safely play sports. Now, which takes it back to that level. You say a lot of players... When they get a little free time, they want to be able to go out and test the waters. They want to go out and see yeah. their friends. It, it, it brings back to this point, moving up to the NFL level, the Seattle Seahawks, they cut Kima Siverin. Mm-hmm. And he was cut after being caught on video of bringing a girl into his hotel. Oh, now, this is even not, this is a pro guy who was an undrafted free agent. And you talked about college guys. Yeah. So this completely just changed the <laughs> dynamic of it because when I look at what Kima did, I, it was wrong. And you, and 
I'm not going to chastise and I'm not going to try to crucify what he did because I'm just being honest. If we hear it behind the mask, we take great pride in I did it. Behind the mask. <laughs> you did it. We all have done it at some point. Broken team rules. And so for me, was he wrong? Yes, he was wrong. However, I do understand why he did what he did. And for people out there who may disagree with me, you have to understand these guys are 21, 22, 23 years old. They got a pocket full of money. And so you can't speak at it from the dynamic of, man, you got all of that money. Why are you throwing it away? Well, you have to understand they never had nothing. And so at the end of the day, they're going to be kids. But that's the transitional point to where they have to understand and know you can't put everybody at risk. And for me, I wasn't mad. I, I wasn't mad at him because he was selfish. You know, they say they caught him on camera. He had a girl dressed up in the Seahawks, Seattle Seahawks uniform, sneaking in. They caught him on camera. I'm not mad at him for being selfish, just only having one girl and a lot of other guys. Hey, she ain't got a girl. But I'm mad at him, and the reason why they cut him is because they know how much they are putting into this matter, understanding the security. And other guys are married. They go on with the families, and some of their families may be high risk. And so that's what I'm disappointed at more than anything when you look at Kima. It actually happened to Dion Long when he was with the Rams back in 2016, and he got caught bringing a girl in, and Jeff Fisher was the head coach, and they cut him for that. So uh, this is not anything new under the sun, but if you're ever going to do it, you damn sure better not do it now. Yeah, this this is it's not the time. And that's the thing, man. Like we again, we've all done it. I've done it. You know what I mean? You you break curfew, you sneak somebody in your room or whatever. Like it, it's it happens. You know, we'd be naive to think it doesn't happen. Again, the thing of it is, in this time, this heightened time with, with COVID-19 going on with all the uh you know the eyes are out there, they're testing you every day. What makes you think that you're gonna get away with it right now? You know what I mean? So it had to be. I'm wondering why a vet wasn't around to pull this kid to the side and say, hey, young fella, this ain't the time. You know what I'm saying? You, you got to wait. I know you, you know, know you horny. know you want to get some action or whatever, but this ain't the time to do that. You know what I mean? And, and, and to your point, you never know what can happen. You, you can you can have this young lady around and, and, and you, you know, who knows who she is? Nobody knows, but who knows where she's been? You know what I'm saying? With the teams now, the teams, again, they're uh, they sterilize everything. When you come out of practice, you walk through this mist that sterilizes you. Same thing, you come back in the locker room. Everything is sanitized, I should say. Um, but the people from the outside, you don't know where they've been. You know what I mean? And, and you, you're putting the whole team at risk. So that part was selfish. I do understand. I'm, I'm not going to fold them either. Again, because I'll be, I'll be lying through my teeth, calling the uh, pot, calling the kettle black. So I did it too. But this is not the time to do it. You just got to wait. It's a couple of weeks. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got ain't no preseason game, so you're going to have time to go home. So you just got to wait, man. Yeah, you definitely got to wait. And, uh, man, don't don't mess up the bag, bro. Yeah. Like, that's what we aspire to be, the player. Yeah. But we have an opportunity to change the narrative from generations after us. Yeah. And so yeah. we have to keep that in mind as a, you know, as a big picture. And that's the, well, one thing, and, and, that, and that's the, the, the main thing. As an undrafted free agent, you have no room for error. You're fighting an uphill battle the whole way as a rookie, undrafted free agent. Why are you going to mess that up? Now, now, what's on your, before you even, again, no preseason games, before you even get on the field, 
what's attached to your name is that you can't trust him. So if he does get an opportunity, he has an even higher uh, uh, battle to fight going uphill, uphill battle to fight. So yeah, you can't you can't do that. Now. Well, good thing that you know. Well, management is going to do what they do, right. and obviously, you saw they released him, which is unfortunate for him. Hopefully, he'll get another chance and he'll learn from his mistakes. But now that we're talking about management, let's move over to the Washington football team, mm -hmm. formerly known as the Redskins, not Prince. <laughs> formerly. But uh, Jason Wright, yeah. the Washington football team hired Jason Wright as their team president, making him the first black team president in the NFL history and only the fourth player to ascend to that role. Two We've been screaming diversity a lot on this show. We had Rod Graves. He was on this show, executive director of the Fritz Pollard Alliance. When we see these opportunities and the opportunity has now been fulfilled, Jason Wright is coming on board now to fix everything that's wrong from the business side of it. He has an extensive background. He used to play as a player, went on to, into the business world to different business schools, Recently worked with McKinsey and Company as a consultant. Now, when you look at it, he is brought on to be able to change that perspective. What's your thoughts on the new hire? I think it's dope, man. He's got an opportunity. He has to run with it. And, and the, the, the best part about it is he's being his position has nothing to do with football operations. He's not going to be hiring coaches. It's not like he's going to be a general manager or anything like that. He's not going to be uh, evaluating um, talent on the field, he's handling business operations. So that is so commendable that a former athlete is actually looked at for his mind as opposed to his physical attributes and what he could do. So I think that's so amazing. Um, he has a lot to do cleaning up with uh, the Washington football team because they 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 in a mess right now. You know what I mean? They, they, they just changed the name. Um, allegations came out about uh, sexual misconduct with some, some employees. So he does have a lot to do in terms of cleaning everything up, but I think it's a step in the right, right direction. Uh, they hired Ron Rivera, another minority, you know what I'm saying? And now they got Jason Wright. So I think what Dan Snyder is doing is, is putting, uh, he's turning the, the page a little bit of what this organization is going to be. Great hire for the Redskins. I just want Wright to, to do the best he could possibly do because this actually opens doors because he's a young, he's a young guy too. I think he, he may be what, a little bit, Older than us, so I'm not sure. No, exactly no, he's, he's not even 40 yet. He's not even 40 yet. So this is amazing, man. This is like unheard of in the league. So salute to the foot, Washington football team, uh, football team, Dan Snyder, for actually uh, giving the most qualified person a shot. Not because he's a minority. He's the most qualified for that position. He earned it. Salute. Yeah, and this is the thing for me is that uh, you spoke of Ron Revere. Ron Revere is, is going to be running the – the football operations on that side. Mm -hmm. Now, however, I do know Jason was brought in to handle the business side, but I still feel like he has so much more to implement on that football side as well. Mm -hmm. You know, coming in as a former player, playing several years, being inside of the locker rooms, understanding the temperature, understanding the move, the players of what they need versus what they want. Mm -hmm. I just think he has a big perspective of it overall. And, I love the aspect you even talked about, you know, just his background, him coming in as a consultant. You mentioned that. And um, 
coming back where he came from, I was impressed to see he focused on getting executive le level managers to help in environmental matters. Mm -hmm. uh, also co-pilot McKinsey's anti-racism and inclusion strategy and help create the black economic forum for those guys before he eventually departed and became part of the Washington football team franchise. So uh, I think he has a lot to bring to the table. Yeah. Uh, I saw Clinton Portis. He put out a few posts earlier. He yeah. talked about, hey, excited to have him. One of the things that he also highlighted, this is not just as a typical hire, mm -hmm. meaning, hey, we're just going to hire somebody because it feels like it's the common thing to do to be able to get everybody off of their back. This guy is more than qualified. He's very, he's very qualified in every aspect of what they do. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he implements and how he continues to change that culture, which he talked about. Wanted to change the culture with a new transformation, which is going to include a new name for that football team. Yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. You hire the most qualified person for the position. We only wish that all the teams in the NFL across the board will be able to do something like that. But again, salute to the Washington football team for, for being one of the, the more recent uh, teams to do something like that. And, and we, we, like I said, we talked about it. Diversity is, is, is a huge factor in the NFL. The lack of diversity, I should say, is a huge factor in the NFL. They're addressing it on a league, uh, on, on an NFL level as a, as a league, but the individual teams have to also do that as well. We talked about it, like you said, with Rod Graves and Harry Carson. So for the Washington football team, they're doing just that. I just hope that this is a loud enough statement that other teams in the league actually do that as well, hire the most qualified person. And if that's a, a black person, person of color, minority, then you know that's that's great. Oh, no doubt. And, and the thing before we wrap, put a bow on this, the thing that I appreciate is his perspective of understanding I can manage people, but I'm not going to overmanage them. I'm going to give you your assignment mm -hmm. and allow you to be able to work. He Somebody asked him the question, what are some of the things that you look forward to doing that when you were as a, as a player, you saw it provided great value, but now as the president, you can implement some of the same things. His comment was, when I was a third down back, I wasn't worried about what the left tackle was doing. I trusted him to do his job and I did my job. I want to set that norm for us on the business side as well, where we have people that are trusted to where we really believe in the folks we're working alongside of us, making sure that they have the tools to succeed, but then let them fly. So Jason Wright, we will be looking out for you. We see you doing a lot of great things for the Washington football team. And best believe we will have our eyes on it. Two, without further ado, that brings this segment to a wrap, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, tell baby girl, congratulations. Got to take your hat off. Takeo's daughter, Ja'Kai Spikes, new enrollee at Auburn University. Salute, brother. Right on, bro. I, I appreciate that. It's... Like when I was dropping off, bro, I can't even, I can't lie. You I was getting, no, nah, I didn't cry, but I was getting pulled <laughs> off. I was like, damn, she's only an hour and a half away from the crib. <laughs> Why are you getting full? No, nah, man, I, I think the biggest piece of advice is to any father out there, understand and just know, hey, from K through 12, like you put in the work. Everything that you taught, everything that's part of their fabric, hey, you did it already. Yeah. And so 
for me, that was the biggest thing that relieved me overall. And so now I look forward to seeing her grow, man. So I appreciate that. Thank you, Beautiful. Beautiful. Much love, man. Right on, bro. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.